0: This episode of Disney Film Project is brought to you by the letter A, the number three, and touringplans.com. Check out the new optimized touring plans. If you go on your phone and use the lines application while you're in the parks, the p- touring plans will update automatically based on the latest data. It's the coolest thing ever. You've got to check it out. Check out the lines application and the new optimized touring plans over at touringplans.com. They are the sponsor of this episode of the Disney Film Project podcast. Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project Podcast. This is the show where we discuss the films of the Walt Disney Company. And tonight we are going to discuss a great one. But first, I am your host, Ryan Kilpatrick, owner, proprietor, blogger, and chimney sweep at DisneyFilmProject.com, where we discuss, guess what, films by the Walt Disney Company. Kind of redundant, I know, but we do it anyway. Uh, with me, as always, are some of the most spectacular film buffs ever known in the universe, today or ever. And I mean that with all sincerity. First of all, we have Mr. Todd Perlmutter, who is Chief Technical Officer at DisneyDrivenLife.com. He is a blogger at TouringPlans.com. He is a half-marathon runner. He is wearing a shirt with dancing skeletons. How are you, Todd?
1: I'm doing good. Um, I was in uh, yellow belt training for Six Sigma, and it was so darn exciting. I read my flipboard all day long. (laughs) (laughs) as well you should as well you should also
0: joining us we have miss brianna alessio who is a blogger over at adventures of brie at adventures of brie.blogspot.com she's the attractions blogger over at disneydrivenlife.com and she's the proud owner of her fabulous new haircut how are you this evening (laughs) brie
2: oh thank you i'm doing really good and how are you
0: i'm great it's 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 a wonderful, uh, quiet evening in, in, in the household tonight. Good. Which is exceedingly rare around here. Also exceedingly rare is when our producer makes a mistake. And if you've been listening to the past shows, yeah, you can't find one. You can't. You can try, but you're not going to. And that would be Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, who you can you can read about all the effort that she puts into not making mistakes at about.me slash Cheryl P3. How are you, Miss Cheryl?
3: I'm doing good.
0: All right. Everything well down in, uh, in 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 the Orlando metropolitan area.
3: Yeah, I had tofu salad with my movie. I was I went over to saw being Elmo today, and so
0: I tofu. gave it quite a glowing review. I yeah, add.
3: I love I love that I love
0: the little little bonus review, people. Right there. That's what we do. We provide value <laughs> on this show. Oh yeah. There you go. All right. So this evening we will be discussing Cinderelli. I mean, um, Cinderella, <laughs> the the 1950 <laughs> animated classic from Walt Disney Pictures. I know we, we we don't touch on a lot of the good movies these days. It seems like we, we touch on some of the dogs, but uh, we're 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 going to go with a, a certifiable classic. It's a it's a bit of a departure for us, so so you know bear with us. Uh, but to help keep us in line, we have we have recruited one of our one of our compatriots who. Uh, I believe this would be her favorite film, uh, Miss Betsy Bates, who uh, you might follow on Twitter as at Florida Mingo and, and see all the horrible things that she does uh, throughout the, the week, um, such as being sick, which she is slightly under the weather this evening. But she's a fabulous person. And uh, Betsy, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you. I'm glad to be here after listening to many, 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 many episodes and uh, so looking forward to this. This is one of my top films, favorite films overall. I I absolutely love it. Not even just animated films, but probably in my top five films ever. So I am really, really looking forward to this one.
0: Well, we are certainly delighted to have you. So welcome aboard. So Cinderella was from March of 1950. It was Walt Disney Pictures' first animated feature, full-length animated feature in quite some time. Uh, Because of World War II, they had had to quit doing uh, full-length features, uh, and had instead turned to package features like Saludos Amigos or Ichabod and Mr. Toad that we talked about in that episode. So lots of things kind of pushed together to make a full-length feature film to keep the studio afloat. So they sank a lot of money, almost $3 million, into Cinderella. uh, And rumor has it that if Cinderella had been a box office failure, then the studio would have been in big, 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 big trouble. That's four bigs, in case you missed it.
1: Hey, it's, it's also the first film to be worked on by the nine old men. Yeah, it is.
0: Yep. In 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 their entirety, not individually.
1: Yes, in their entirety, not individually. Some of them <laughs> did work there before, yes. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> to, be, to be perfectly clear.
1: Um, but it was not a
0: dismal financial failure. Instead, it was a huge, huge, huge success. The biggest one they had had since Snow White and went on to fund all of the fun and exciting films that came from thereafter in the 1950s, such as... Lady and the Tramp, and some of the other things that we've discussed,
1: yeah, as well as starting the television production company and Disneyland. Well, sure, there's that.
2: <laughs> you know what's wonderful about this film is that as soon as you sit down to it, it just brings you right back to childhood. The music, and the format of the credits—it's such a good, peaceful, tranquil feeling. I started squealing as soon as I hit play. Like I had to see where the credits. And I went <laughs> like a little kid. I was just so excited. <laughs>
4: But I had, when this was in the vault, paid over $50 for the VHS um, because I love this film so much. And I had recorded it off of TV back in the good old days when, you know, Disney was playing vault Disney stuff regularly and, and playing stuff that was in the vault and you couldn't purchase it at the time. So we shelled out, like... Somewhere around 60 bucks just to get the VHS when it was on moratorium, and and promptly uh, in 2005 when the the platinum DVD came out, was all over that before it went back in the vault. So
1: everybody else was all over it too. It got uh, it got like 65 million dollars in sales. It's one of the most successful DVDs to ever sell.
4: Yeah, something like 3.2 million sold in the first week, I think.
1: Yeah. Like Betsy said, the um, Blu-ray Diamond Edition is scheduled for a fall of 2012 release. So it's not uh, a year away. I nice. so
2: miss the days of Walt Disney on the Disney Channel. Oh. Who doesn't? So nice. Yeah, really.
1: I mean,
0: who did not like waking up at 2 a.m. to watch Zorro on Disney
1: Channel?
3: I didn't hear it.
1: Yeah, Cheryl and I used to leave that on all night long. And just like say if you woke up in the middle of the night you just watch and then you go back to sleep.
3: Yeah.
1: Oh...
0: That's very sweet. I like that. I wish we, I, I wish we could still have that. I used to like the old 1950s Disneyland shows where they'd walk around the park in black and white,
3: because mm-hmm.
0: you know they couldn't afford color in the early days. Yeah. <laughs> With Disneyland, it was all in black and white, and people didn't come in color back then. No, no they didn't. They could All afford in
2: black it. and white clothing. Yes. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. So, all right, Cinderella, the the film. The, the masterpiece, the the amazing production, uh, is the story of Cinderella. There we dun, go. Dun.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> now we have a, a one of our one of our famous Walt Disney uh, animated openings, where we have the uh, the tale, kind of the, the stage being set with a nar- with the the book and the narrator, uh, and we have the narrator talking about um, Cinderella and being with his his her father. And he decides that he uh, needs to provide for her a, a mother and marries Lady Tremaine. And she, she is formerly married, as well as he has been, of course, to Cinderella's mother. And when he dies, then, then that leaves her with the horrible stepsisters Anastasia and Drizella, as well as Lady Tremaine, who treat her as a servant, basically. And that's, that's sort of the, the stage that is set by the narrator to, to open the film in quite a beautiful manner, I might add.
1: Yeah, I like that the the narrator actually goes abused and forced to work.
4: <laughs> One of the things I love about the narrator is I just learned this today. Actually, it was narrated by the same person who did the voice of Cruella Deville, and it's such a departure from that character because, like Bree was saying, it's such a nice, sweet, you know, opening to it, and and you know, Cruella is about as opposite from that as you. Can get so I thought it'd be cool to, to see that you know, that she kind of stuck with the studio to come back, you know, 11 years later or so to do such a different character.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But we so we open with that, and then it's interesting because the, if you if you've ever read like the storybook of Cinderella, which, which I have because I have a five year old daughter, I've read it many times. The, the actual story, uh, so to speak, is very slight, so the film is filled with this kind of other story that's going on between the Cinderella's friends, the mice, and uh, the cat, Lucifer, and that actually takes up the big majority of the first part of the film, The the quote-unquote inciting incident, if you want to follow normal uh, film structure, doesn't take place until almost 30 minutes into the movie.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of mice, mice and birds stuff going on throughout the whole movie. I, I don't dislike those characters. I just think that there's more of them than the, than the actual main characters. Uh, they're definitely this yeah. Just, yeah.
2: <laughs> I saw much more of Jock and Gus than I did Cinderella. Yeah. I feel that
0: way. I don't know. I do, too. Yeah. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, by the way.
2: Right. I mean, they're great characters, but...
0: Yeah, the whole, the whole first part of the movie is this introduction to Cinderella and kind of, I guess what you would say is it's kind of revealing her character through her interactions with the, the animal characters because we see her wake up and she's woken up by the animals. She interacts with them and we see her taking in Gus or actually naming the mouse Gus uh, because she's such good friends with the other mice in, in
1: her hovel that she lives in. And she talks to them and understands them and makes them close.
4: You say that like there's something wrong with that, Todd.
1: If it wasn't a Disney movie, there would be something wrong with that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but it is a Disney movie. So I know. It's,
1: it's a little odd, though, but Suspense it does say... Come on. Well, well it, to me, you know how I justify it? Cinderella has superpowers.
0: Imagine. <gasps> well, I, th- I think we established this in the Enchanted show that uh, t- in order to be a princess, you must have the ability to talk to animals and understand them. Yes. I mean Wait, Snow White.
2: But if yes. she has super, but if Cinderella has superpowers, does this mean she's going to be in the Avengers opening May fourth, twenty twelve? That only took like what ten minutes. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. I just
2: have to make that point.
0: <laughs> it-, it would be awesome if she was is yeah. Cinderella cameo
1: it's
2: yeah, like right? Animal Girl. Exactly. It's,
1: they'll have a vault of super-powered of super powered stuff, and it'll be a glass slipper on one of the vaults. Yes. yes.
0: <laughs> Perfect, Todd. But yeah, this is where we get introduced to Jock and Gus and all the other animal characters, uh, as portrayed by Jimmy McDonald, who would go on to be the voice of Mickey Mouse or Mickey to Mouse, as he's referred to by Pete on Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Yeah, and, and we get this whole sequence where, like like you said, Bree, I think, he basically, we, we spend the next, you know, ten minutes or so with Jock and Gus and kind of pass over Cinderella, you know, to, to go talk to those guys, which, again, I like because Jock and Gus are cute. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> I didn't think there's anything wrong with it, but maybe they should have called it Cinderella and Jack and Gus.
0: Or maybe the mice of Cinderella.
2: Right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. Like, like, or like of mice, and then it could be of mice and princesses.
1: Ooh. Or, or mice and the blonde. <laughs> <laughs> now I think you're in dangerous territory.
3: <laughs> Three mice and princess. There we go. Ooh, I like mm.
0: it. Cheryl Wins. I like
3: that. I like uh, Cheryl Wins. Yeah. Cheryl Wins, for sure.
0: But yeah, it's all about Jock and Gus trying to avoid, and and the other mice, of course, trying to avoid Lucifer, the cat, who uh, is there and is sort of the avatar, I guess you would say, for the uh, stepmother and the stepsisters. He's kind of their evil animal counterpart.
1: I think he's the one that rides on the broom. Was that too much? (laughs)
0: I was just wait. I was letting that sink in for a second about
3: that. I was confused that he was the only one that was not turned in to, like, part of Cinderella's accompanying assistance during because the... during he's evil. I don't, but I just thought that was weird that, she, that he wasn't turned into anything. No, I think it was because they needed the comic relief, like, when they
4: turn, you know, Gus into the horse and he's trying to... I, I think that was kind of needed as a the contrast there okay
0: gotcha I I think that's you're right about that but yeah so the inciting incident that we referred to doesn't take place until much later because we have this whole part with Lucifer and Gus and Jacques and then we have Cinderella going to take uh, tea to to Lady Tremaine and the stepsisters uh, with the unfortunate uh, Gus hiding from Lucifer on one of the cups that then turns into a whole brouhaha if you will because uh, the the intention or the uh, inference is made that Cinderella was playing a joke on one of her stepsisters, uh, when in fact she was not. It was just Gus trying to keep from becoming cat food, and I think we can all relate to that.
2: Oh yeah, every day.
0: Sure. Yes. Come on, Todd. How many times have you hidden under a teacup to avoid being eaten by a cat? I mean, how many times?
1: Um, three. Yeah. I knew it. I knew it.
0: But the, uh, so we get that part, and then we have the king, we kind of flip to another side of the kingdom, I presume. Do we ever know what the kingdom is? We know what the name of the kingdom is? No, we
1: just know it's in France.
0: Okay. So should we be doing the show in a
1: French accent? Um, no, it's just it's a French thing. I don't know. Okay. It, it's the original story's French, so we know it takes place in France. There we go. So
0: it is the kingdom. The a, a fictional kingdom in France. Remember yes. How about part. we
2: call it King, the Kingdom of Impressions de France? All right. In honor of Betsy, because that's one of her favorite attractions in, inside of Epcot.
0: It's... <laughs> Who, who's isn't it a favorite of, besides Cheryl? Cheryl
4: Perlmutter.
3: <laughs> and other than Cheryl,
4: David Karen and Shelly Karen And, yeah, those, I think, are the, the three odd men out on this one. So, okay. yeah.
0: It would have been cool to hear the Impressive difference France music in the background of Cinderella, but that's a whole other story. Different times. Yeah, true. Sure enough. So we we flip to the other side of the fictional Impressions de France kingdom to see the king, who goes by the uh, name The King, and he is trying to figure out how to marry off his son, the prince.
1: Yes. Never actually referred to as Prince Charming in the entire movie. Correct.
0: But trust me, if you buy a doll for your daughter for Christmas of this character, it will say Prince Charming on it. I'm saying from experience.
1: That's that he's credited that way.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. But no one calls him Prince Charming. Or Prince.
1: It's always just the Prince.
0: Yes. Well, if they called him Prince, he would have to wear unfortunate costumes and sing bad songs. So that would not be good. Uh, but he is trying to figure out a way to get his son to marry because his son has basically decided that no one he has met yet met has he fallen in love with. So he, or, he organizes a ball with every eligible maiden in the kingdom to attend. And this is the inciting incident that kind of sets things into motion for Cinderella to be freed from her in uh, her, her serfdom, if you will. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> okay. Alright. Yeah. Uh, so the invitations go out. And uh, Cinderella gets an invitation along with her stepsisters. Uh, but, of course, the, her, her stepmother really has no intention of letting her go, but she plays a very cruel cool trick and tells her that she can go if she finishes her work and finds a suitable gown. So that's two conditions that she has to meet. She must finish her work and find a suitable gown. And th- that's that's probably the most evil scene, I think, in the whole thing is... After Cinderella leaves, all excited about the fact that she can go to the ball, her the stepsisters go to Lady Tremaine and they they say, "Mother, do you know what you've done?" And she she said, "I know what I did," and it, and she says, um, "I said if," and then they get this really evil look on their face and they go, "Oh, if," and it's at that point I want to slap them. <laughs>
4: Oh, I wanted to slap them, like, way before that. But, yeah, that, that is, I think, one of the most slap-worthy, along with the uh, upcoming dress-tearing incidents. I, I think those are, are the two points where I just want to really slap them silly.
1: Yes, <laughs> I I, agree. I wasn't too bothered by them until just before this when they're singing.
4: Yes, that's, that's the one where I was like, the sing-sweet Nightingale needs to just go away because that's just torturous.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're saying they're not good singers? Not so much. No. Yeah.
4: Okay. uh uh-uh.
0: <laughs> Yes. So this, again, it, it is kind of strange, and I, I don't guess I'd ever really noticed before how little of Cinderella there actually is mm-hmm. in the movie even though the movie is called Cinderella. Because at this point, again, she sort of disappears, right? She goes back to her little hovel and is trying to figure out how to get things done, and it turns out she's not going to be able to get a dress done and get all of her work done, and, and, and. So she sort of disappears with the, the stepmother telling her all the chores that she has to do, and we yeah. flip over to the animals making her
1: dress. For Cinderella's the title character in the movie, and she's not in it, very much, because she's not the driving force in the movie. She's just kind of along for the ride. Yeah. Throughout, so I think that's what's... I, it, I agree with you, it's just kind of odd. And I didn't really remember it that way either, and I probably hadn't watched it in almost ten years, so...
0: Yeah, and again, it's not... it's not We're not saying that like it's a bad thing, right? The movie is still wildly entertaining, at least to me it was. Uh, yeah. It's just not... It, it, it's weird, because you watch the movie about Cinderella, and... Really, the movie is about the things that happen that kind of swirl around Cinderella, more than it is about her.
3: And I also think it's about a statement in society as well, because the girl mice send the boy mice out to go get flies. I think that's, I think that's, that's a statement. That's
1: the law
0: of caveman survival. <laughs> It's it's like uh, it's like Rudolph the red nosed reindeer when uh when he, when the, the male reindeer sends the, the female reindeer away and says this is man's work when he's going to look for Rudolph. It's like that in reverse. Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. Although it would have been interesting to see Gus so. I don't know.
1: I think you, it would you see them working a scissor though. Yeah, you do. That's true. <laughs> That's true <too.
0: laughs> But this is this is where we get the the famous the famous tune the the, the work song the whole you know Cinderella Cinderella song.
1: Yes. Yeah. Which, can we can we
0: talk about the mice and their, and the way they talk for a second? Their half language. Yeah, sure. So it's it's cute. <laughs> That's what I was going to say.
1: Oh, that is cute. <laughs> it, yeah, it, 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 it's cute almost to a fault, though, because it's kind of sort of like you want to understand what they're saying, and sometimes you're just kind of like, yeah, okay, doesn't matter entirely. I, I like it better when they're miming than when they're necessarily really? doing the half-speak. Yeah. And I know nobody likes a mime, but that's not the point here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is important to note Yes. that nobody does like a mime. No, No, I I just like the way Jacques calls him Gus Gus
2: I love that Gus Gus I love how they talk in double it's so cute
0: yes if they weren't so darn adorable they would annoy me yeah a
4: little bit did did any of you guys watch the bonus features like do you you have the platinum DVD I'm assuming is what y'all have on the uh, bonus features there was a clip from the Perry Como show from 19... I think um, and it had the Fontaine sisters who were dressed up like sort of like, like mice and did the singing part of the, the work song and it was highly entertaining but also mildly disturbing at the same time so if you get a chance definitely if you have the platinum DVD check that out on the bonus features um, some of the clips from the 50s are, are, are pretty cool but definitely the Perry Como one kind of stuck out for me
1: yeah, well, Perry Como, you know, did like an album of the songs from this yeah. movie.
4: Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. And it was I it was like very famous because he had he had one of the four he was, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo, right? He got yeah. hit, top. He was one of the top singles for that for that song alone. So.
2: Mm-hmm. You know what's sad is I have the platinum DVD, but I took out the VHS to watch instead because I just wanted to kick it old school.
0: Nice. Yeah. <laughs> you still have a VHS machine?
1: That's impressive.
4: I've got like three. <laughs>
1: I, I do. They're just in boxes in the closet.
4: <laughs> uh, mine are all still hooked up. I use them actually to to watch movies that I recorded off of Walt Disney to catch up to your podcast. Most of the time is what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Fair enough. We do tend to go obscure. Yeah, yeah, I, do. Do. I apologize for yeah. that. No, that happens. Oh, it's what we do.
3: Yep.
0: But so we have that. That scene uh, of of making the dress, and Cinderella manages to uh, arrive just in time, and it's important to note that the the animals, Jacques and Gus, they get a sash and a a set of beads from the stepsisters who have discarded them, basically saying, oh, we don't need these old rags, you know, that sort of a thing. And they use that in making Cinderella's gown. And so when Cinderella finally wears the gown downstairs and is ready to go with the family to the ball, it's her stepmother who notices that these things have been taken from Drizella and Anastasia's gowns and they you know, she alerts them to that and they go tear it off of her gown, basically tearing the gown to pieces uh, before they jump in the coach and run off to the ball this would also be another slappable moment
2: yeah, that's the point if I were Cinderella, I I wouldn't be standing there just going, "Oh, oh, no they'd be on the ground
1: yeah, that's what a broom is for Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: That's what I'm saying. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, this wouldn't fly. That's my main problem with Cinderella is that, like, Cinderella takes a lot of gruff. You know what I'm saying? Like, she takes a lot from these people, and she doesn't give it back. You know what I'm saying?
4: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But at the same time, I kind of see that as an admirable quality that she can kind of turn the other cheek And in the end, she gets, you know, what she, for lack of a better term, deserves, where I think that is almost more sticking it to the stepsisters and the stepmother, that despite all of their efforts to put her down, she prevails and and still gets what they all wanted.
0: That's true. That's probably the moral of the story. Although, but I think if Cinderella had punched them, it would have been more fun.
1: That would
3: have been fun. Definitely,
0: I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Cinderella cat fight. Yeah. Yeah, Cinderella goes
3: postal. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about cat fight. The dog in this movie is like the one of the lamest dogs movies I've seen. Bruno? Uh, yes, yeah, love Bruno. My dog, my dog could get attack attack a cat better than Bruno could. I'm sorry, Bruno was like. Yeah, but he like Chief him. from Fox and the Hound.
0: Aww. Hey, hey! Don't be bagging on Chief now. <laughs>
3: oh.
1: He falls ten thousand feet. Don't bag on him. And I, survives. I,
4: I, <laughs> it's true, you, you know, with the whole broken leg thing. Um, I I see Bruno kind of as a foil for for Cinderella, you know, in. And that, you know, when you first see him, he's in a dream and waking up, and that's kind of how we are introduced to her in the same way. And that, you know, he doesn't really go into action and, and in any way to to actually go after Lucifer and, and is set up by Lucifer like the stepsisters kind of set up Cinderella to fail. So I kind of see them as, as um, mirrors of each other in, in a way.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I can see that.
4: Good analogy. That. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah.
0: So this is where this is where we get introduced to the fairy godmother because Cinderella runs into the garden and she she basically through the first part of the movie has said how she's all full of hope and she believes that good things will come to her someday. And this is the point at which she basically decries that and says, "Nope, it's it's all terrible and things are going to be ter- awful." And,
3: it's all a lie. Yep.
0: And at that point, her fairy godmother shows up, played by Miss Verna Felton, who also was the voice of Mrs. Jumbo in Dumbo, and uh, Aunt Sarah in Lady and the Tramp, and uh, the Queen of Hearts. So she's a, she's a Disney vet at this point.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, although some of those films I mentioned came after this, but you figure it out. Uh, time, time travel. So, yeah, exactly. There we go. <laughs> it's it's got to be time travel. So, she is the one who then, of course, sets things into motion, bestows the the coach and the horses and the footman and all this wonderful stuff onto Cinderella uh, with the bippity-boppity-boo sequence, which has now been turned into a fashion line. So, that's good.
3: It's a boutique.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Where people pay hundreds of dollars to have their children get the same thing that the fairy godmother did in, like, five minutes.
2: I want a fairy godmother. (laughs) Who doesn't want a fairy godmother? (laughs) Really?
1: Yeah, it'd be nice. It would be good, yeah. I don't think anybody knocked the fairy godmother thing. No,
0: Mm-mm. not at all. But it's interesting again, like like you were saying, Todd. You hadn't watched it in a while. I hadn't either. But it's like I I remembered this coming earlier in the movie, and it doesn't. It's pretty late in the film, you know. Yeah. Speaking,
1: it's like the it's like the final third of the film is when this happens.
0: Yeah. yeah. So that just should tell you how much Jacques and Gus there is in the first part of the movie. There's a lot.
1: Yeah, well, it's not a super long film. No, this is true. Yeah, so it's 75 minutes long, so it's, you know, just a little, you know, it it meets the... Because back then they had the rule, right? It had to be over an hour to be a feature-length film, right? That was the rule, generally speaking.
0: Yep. Which is why Dumbo was 61 minutes. Yep. Mm. So, yes, she goes to the ball, and th- that's another fun little sequence, because the the king is at the ball, and he's sitting there watching the prince greet all of these eligible women, and the-, the prince is basically bored by them. But the duke, who's standing next to him, is sort of making fun of the king, like, what did you think would happen? And basically narrates the entire sort of romantic story of what happens between the prince and Cinderella, which I thought was really clever, and very funny and a way of sort of taking something that could have been it could have been easily kind of hokey and made it both funny and romantic at the same time so yeah I mean I thought that was I thought that was very nice um, but of course we know we all know the the story at midnight then Cinderella's gotta go or all of her stuff turns back into Mises and pumpkins and all that kind of stuff and you know people will love those Mises to pieces <laughs>
1: I, I had a question, though, back to the King thing really quick. Why did he just, like, leave the party once that happened? Was the party just done for him? That That's never quite clear to me.
3: He's oh, he was tired. Man. Yeah, he yeah. was tired. He was ready for bed. It was bedtime. I guess. He says that. He said it. He says,
0: yeah. I need a nap. <laughs> it doesn't seem right, though.
2: Like, he's been wanting this for so long.
4: Look. Yeah, but yeah. the thing is, I think the stepsisters were like the last ones in the receiving line, so that was kind of like, okay, that's it, this kind of didn't pan out the way that I thought it was going to, and and then, you know, that was kind of it for him, I think is kind of the way that I
1: saw oh, it. That's, that's a good point, because they actually show the party starting, and then the Tremaines leave the house, so they're not actually at the party when it starts. That's a right. good catch.
0: Yeah, but it it's not sense. until it's not until he sees Cinderella that that he decides to go take a nap, though, because he tells the Duke if if anything happens here, it's your head.
1: Yeah, right. it seems it, it like there might have been something missing, though. Like like he maybe he was having trouble sleeping because you know the prince wasn't married because he
4: wants grandkids. That's yes. you know a big as, stress for him,
1: as evidenced by the dream coming up shortly. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh so,
0: of course, the, the prince and, 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 the, and the Cinderella dance together, and then she has to leave at midnight, and everything turns back into what it was before, except she gets to have one of the glass slippers because she dropped one on the stairs as she ran away. I know none of you have heard this story before.
2: Am I the only one
4: that cried during So This Is Love? No, because that's going to be, like, my wedding dance song. I'm like, you just glossed over one of my favorite parts of the entire movie.
1: Well, <laughs> Sorry. I'll, I'll gloss it then, Betsy.
4: I absolutely. Love, I, absolutely, I absolutely adore that song. It is one of my probably top five songs ever. I had such a time, probably about ten years ago, I was looking for a Cinderella snow globe. And I don't collect snow globes. I don't collect much of anything, but I really wanted a Cinderella snow globe. And trying to find one that played So This Is Love and not A Dream Is A Wish Your Heart Makes, it took me almost a good year of going through the parks and Disney stores to try to find it. And it is one of my, you know, and it's not, you know, snow globes are not inexpensive, but that is one of my most prized possessions is the one that plays So This Is Love. And it is like two minutes and 10 seconds of absolute perfection to me. And yes, I know that because of the classic Disney CD that I listened to on repeat over and over again. But it is just so beautifully animated. And you can see like some of the backgrounds, you can kind of see Mary Blair's influence and kind of juxtaposed with the more cleaner, less abstract looking, you know, people. Um, I, I just think it is such a beautiful scene.
1: So here's an interesting thing that I that I noticed. Did, is it me or does uh, Happy Miss Millionaire c- copy this scene when they're dancing?
4: Very yes. much. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Are we dancing? Yes. I
1: don't mm-hmm. think I'd ever watched them both so closely together before, so it didn't click until until this watching for whatever reason. So.
0: Yes. So the because the Duke uh, does not want to lose his head, he decides to take the slipper out and start. Uh, putting it on the shoot, on the feet of every eligible maiden in the kingdom so they start... I, I assume they go down the party list, although they don't go through it although I would like to have not been the person who had to put that list together and start figuring out where to go
1: Wait, you missed the king dreaming about his strange Swedish grandchildren
4: <laughs> Yes
1: Oh, yes
4: <laughs> Blonde-haired, blue-eyed children
1: Yeah, Yeah. talk about the fever dream there,
0: Mr. Todd <laughs>
1: Okay, so it, it's kind of odd. I didn't, I didn't realize that they still talked about high blood pressure when this movie was made. All right, because this is a, it's a very anachronistic sort of comment, right? Because they would, in France, in whatever year it happens to be, they wouldn't have been worrying about high blood pressure. But they make the comment, and it makes me think that oh, is this something they even worried about in the fifties? Sure. I don't know. I think so. I have no idea. That's what I, I was think. I, I think they did.
0: I'm going to say yes. Not okay. in France and in the whatever 1500s, but
1: in the 1950s, yes. Yeah. So it was interesting and odd at the same time. Yeah. As anachronism.
0: Yes, we wrong. we do have the, the anachronisms are wonky, as 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 they are known to be.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, and and so we have the the weird Swedish grandchildren. Uh, which is crazy. And, uh, then they, when they finally are going around to all of the households, right, uh, the Grand Duke is coming and the stepmother and the stepsisters are trying to get things ready so that they can, one of them can stuff their foot into the glass slipper and make it work. So they're trying to get that done so that they can, uh, become, become the princess. And they do, they, uh, Figure out Cinderella actually figures out that that um, she starts humming the song. So this is love, uh, and the stepmother realizes, "Oh, it was her."
1: So here, here's an interesting thing that goes on during the scenes. It it, it occurs to me that uh, Lady Tremaine doesn't like her actual daughters too much either. No, I don't think that.
0: I don't. I think you're correct on that.
1: Yeah, because I mean, she's to to her they are a hammer and a Screwdriver. They're not much more than that to her. Yes. And, and, and I remember. I somebody. I remember watching something else, and I can't honestly remember what it is, or reading something else where did she try to become a princess at one point in time, or did, but it was probably like a fan fiction or an off fiction thing, you know, like a side thing. So I'm just wondering, you know. There's always a reason to something, you know, a pre-story, and I wonder if that's just a missing piece of the puzzle. Hmm. Could have been. Interesting, I mean. yeah. So you're saying we need a Cinderella prequel is what we need? Well, no. Mm, no, okay. All right, fine. No. Because okay. let's face it, Cinderella 2 is the worst of the DVD sequels. Pretty much. <laughs> I well, haven't exactly, even bothered I to watch it. I own it.
4: Oh, don't
1: we, we own it too? So,
4: yeah, I and I for that reason I haven't purchased three. Um, two was so awful, I can't even imagine what would come after that. Yeah, the third one, not so good.
0: Awesome, so, yeah. So,
1: you just went ahead and continued, eh?
2: I did, and I shouldn't have.
1: Yes. The, okay, you know how she is, she can't resist when she gets started. She's a I collector, can't. yeah, she's got that mentality. Yeah.
2: It's the same thing with Little Mermaid. I have one, two, and three in, in my bookcase. I can't stop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's finish this so that we can have an intervention for brief. When Lady Tremaine realizes that Cinderella is the girl, she, she follows Cinderella up to her bedroom, locks her inside, and basically tries to throw away the key. But uh, the mice, however, this is where they become key again, uh, go through <laughs> their <laughs> campaign. <laughs>
3: but, uh,
0: Continue. Thank you. Uh, I was waiting. now that, that was a time release joke there. Uh, and they go and get the key from Lady Tremaine and go upstairs, but they have to uh, nav- circumnavigate through Lucifer. And then Bruno comes in, chases Lucifer off, and there's all kinds of fun and shenanigans uh, before they can actually let her out of her upstairs room and trying to get get downstairs to um, the, the the Grand Duke. So again, taking the focus off of Cinderella, back onto the mice here in this 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 end part.
1: They make the dress, they are the saviors. I don't know. Yeah? I think Cheryl's I think Cheryl's title
0: was the best. Three mice and a princess. Or, or it's probably more like two mice and a princess, but or maybe two mice a pr- two mice a dog and a princess?
1: And some birds. And some it's, birds. It's
2: a long title. <laughs>
1: It might work. You don't know. And one baby zebra. Sorry.
0: (laughs) I don't recall the baby zebra scene, actually. I
4: must have missed that part. Yeah. Yeah. Strange. (laughs) Although, if we can go back, I do love the scene when when the fairy godmother is, you know, turning, you know, the the mice into, you know, the horses and stuff. I love that she doesn't use the horse as a horse, that she turns him and you know into the the coachman and and everything and and some of the behind the scenes stuff i was watching um it said that one of walt's favorite animated scenes of all time was when cinderella's dress is transformed into the ball gown and it is a gorgeous scene definitely but i love the humor that you know just when you think that the fairy godmother is gonna you know transform the dress cinderella like is like come on you know (laughs) Get, get on with it and and yeah. she keeps coming up with all the other you know accoutrements so
1: yeah since, since we're on the dress you know i sort of feel that the um the in park version of cinderella dresses don't actually do the actual dress in the movie justice whereas the other dresses all kind of look pretty much like they do in the movies it's yeah. it, and you know why it's because not only is she wearing glass slippers but her her um Dress is like translucent, right? It's almost like yeah. it's made of glass,
3: also. Yeah, it's just made of, like glitter. It's this like yeah, it's glittery effect. yeah,
4: it's it's very ephemeral and light and and glittery and and um, it would be hard to replicate that without magic.
0: But it's Disney. That's what they do.
4: It's magic. I know, yeah. but it's difficult. They,
1: they got the pixie dust. Yeah.
0: Right? <laughs> Come on. That's what I'm saying. Uh,
2: yeah. All so right. what is everyone's favorite scene in the film? Betsy, we know yours is So This Is Love. What about you, Todd? What scene just makes the movie for you?
1: Oh, I just kind of, you know, I kind of like the really abstract things. I just kind of like um, not so much um, just the, the quick moment of when the, uh, the, car- the uh, pumpkin carriage is going to the castle because it's not really on the ground. Uh, there's reasons for that. Um, I mean, they were to be honest. A- as much money as this movie has made, and as much as it's in all our hearts, Disney actually cheaped out on the movie in a lot of ways, especially in animation. Sa- try to save a lot of money, and this is one of the cases where, while it l- comes out looking really cool because having the cart having the carriage float along like that, it's actually intentionally done because they didn't want to have to animate the wheels.
2: Oh.
1: So they could just have a static. Cart going across the uh, ground like that, bouncing around. That. Okay, oh,
3: cool. Interesting. Hmm. And Ryan, what what's you? your, your favorite?
0: Oh, me. Oh, yeah. um, so we didn't, we did, we kind of skipped over it a little bit, but w- the one that I really like is um, right after she leaves the castle, uh, and and every everything is turned back into you know the mice and, ho- and horse and pumpkin and such. There's this moment where she takes the glass slipper that she's kept and she holds on to it and she just basically looks up into the sky and just says thank you Mm
1: -hmm.
0: like that that's the most revealing character moment to me for her in the movie and i'm I'm always about plot and characters that's that's what i love in movies so for for me that's great like it it just shows her just like she could she could be incredibly bitter in that moment right who wouldn't be because you just had your entire dream kind of dashed right in front of your eyes and most likely, you're never going to see this guy again, although we all know how the story works out. But, mm. but instead, of, instead of being upset or crying or, or whining about it, she's just grateful that she had one night to live that way.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I was crying instead at home, watching.
1: So. <laughs> I, I think it's primarily why... Remember, remember um, when we talked in um, the Enchanted episode about how different aspects of the major princesses are used in Giselle's character and why Giselle has her personality is is that right i mean she, that's that's the bit of cinderella's in giselle's is, is is the personality that that attitude where well if i have a horrible life at least i can have this one moment where i was on top and i'll be fine now
2: yeah and what about you, Cheryl? What's your favorite scene?
3: My favorite scene is actually when Lady Tremaine keeps checking is has gus in her pocket, keeps checking that key, because it kinda reminds me of Todd. Because that's something that Todd would do. <laughs> <laughs> is, is he would be he would be that person. That key's still there. <laughs>
1: I don't believe I put my keys in my pocket, ever.
2: And um, my favorite scene is actually Uncle Walt's favorite scene, when she transforms the dress, and and when the fairy godmother transforms everything else. It's just like the epitome of magic. It's just such a beautiful scene.
1: I love it. You know what's interesting about all the scenes we just named? They're all in the last third of the movie. Yeah. (laughs) I noticed
0: that,
4: too. That's because the last third is the best part.
1: Yeah.
0: That's that's, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. The rest is just exposition, which is nice, you know. And one of my favorite things about Cinderella is she is not after the prince. She doesn't even realize that she just spent this magical moment with this guy. She doesn't even know it was the prince. And that's yeah. one of the things is like you know everyone else is there to meet the prince, and she's just dancing with this guy and falling in love with him. And and I think that speaks to kind of her purity of heart and, and her lack of, of evil desires like some of the others.
0: So we talked about the glass slipper, the fact that she saves the glass slipper actually becomes very important because at the very end, um, there's, there's an issue where uh, the stepmother trips and the, the footman drops the glass slipper and it shatters, but then Cinderella manages to save the day by pulling the glass slipper out of somewhere. And and realize, and showing it to to everyone that that in fact she was the woman because she has the glass slipper and the duke slides it onto her foot very gently and and shows that she was the the woman to whom the prince was so uh, enamored.
1: If ever there's a moment where I wanted to smack Lady Tremaine, it was right then and there. Get your cane yes, out sir. from underneath her, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, here's the thing, right? So, he's got one glass slipper. How does he know hers is, like, the other glass slipper and not some counterfeit glass slipper? I'm just saying.
4: How many people are running around with glass slippers? Seriously.
1: She could be very talented. I'm sure she is, <laughs> but... <laughs> she talks to animals. She could be a glass blower. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Because if you all didn't know that's a requirement if you're going to be a glass blower, you have to talk to animals.
0: Of course. Everyone knows that. That's super powers.
1: Come
3: on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you're on your own on that one, Todd. All right.
1: fine
3: Well, it really bothers
0: okay. me. Okay. All right. You you have fun with that bothering you. All right, so yeah, we have. The, we, the, she is the woman, and we we get to show the wedding with the mice following along behind them, and then and then Prince Charming gets to kiss Cinderella, and we all live happily ever after, as Betsy stated.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, uh.
0: That was terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's
1: like the end of Winnie the Pooh ride, and they all said, "Hooray!" So- Hooray. <laughs>
4: Um, Did y'all notice, with Eleanor Audley doing the voice of of Lady Tremaine, she later went on to do Maleficent, did you notice how angular the animation, like, how similar the animation of the faces between the two looked, or was that just
1: me? No, they look very similar.
4: They do look similar. I saw that, too.
1: Yeah, they are. I think so. Though one is greener.
4: Yes, true. But her (coughs) eyes are green in this, too, so... Yeah.
3: Okay. And since we're on evil voices, the voice of Anastasia, Lucille Bliss, also did Star Wars Bounty Hunter video game. Yay!
1: Alright.
3: There's our connection, folks. Um, Ooh,
1: yeah. That's pretty obscure, actually, but we'll get yeah, to it. Yeah, it is. It, right. it <laughs> happened.
2: Think, hey, it <laughs> was a Star Wars. It, it counts. That's well, right. It <laughs>
1: happened. All right. What, uh, what's gonna
2: happen when we actually review the Star Wars films? <laughs> it's like a connection in itself.
3: That's like when we, we did Muppets. So, like we, we, we did. Like we did. Like Frank Oz. We have to do Frank Oz. We're like you we'll, think? We
1: we'll reverse the connections. Yes. The connections to other things in the other direction. Perfect. That's what we'll end up doing. So remember before I was talking about how they tried to cheap out on the animation a little bit to save themselves a buck, right? Mm-hmm, sure. So um, they did. Uh, they used dancer Ward Ellis as a live-action model for Prince Charming. Okay. They also used uh, actress Helene Stanley as, for the uh, Cinderella title role. Okay. She went on to do uh, Sleeping Beauty as the model and Anita Radcliffe in 101 Dalmatians. Okay. She was hot model for all of them. Remember how we uh, were talking in the Muppets episode, strangely enough, about um, how they, the motion capture suits and stuff like that, yes. they, on the um, coach, they actually painted it all white, and they painted black lines on it, so they could use those to trace, to get the coach to have the right dimensions against mm-hmm. all the other parts. Right. So I thought that was, because uh, they were having a lot of trouble drawing it, and they didn't want to have to keep redrawing it, They were, you know, they thought it was a losing money thing, so that's that's mm-hmm. basically, you know, so there were those were kind of some of the cost-cutting ma- measures, um, but I think let's let's not skip the fact that the singing voice for Prince Charming was Mike Douglas of the Mike Douglas Show. Some more about Prince Charming is that uh, I was reading this whole thing where he had larger a larger part to begin with, and Walt said this is terrible and took it out. And he was okay. there was supposed to be an extended ending. There was supposed to be an earlier scene where he's hunting a deer, and then and then it's actually. Yeah. Yeah. And he's actually playing tag with the deer. He's not actually hunting it to kill it. I thought that was kind of interesting. Interesting things that I uh, picked up along the way. Um, so Lucifer was modeled after Ward Kimball's cat. I thought was cute. And mm-hmm. it was at, it was because they couldn't figure out what to, how to create Lucifer. And then Walt said, why don't you just make it look like your cat? And I think he actually said it like there's your Lucifer because he looks awesome no just kidding (laughs)
2: Um,
1: I also like the thing that Eileen Woods didn't know she was trying out for the part because her friends recorded her singing and then sent it in for her
4: yeah one of the few instances of a demo actress or singer actually getting a lead role so that's kind of a Cinderella story in and of itself for her it's cool
2: Opposite three hundred and eight girls. I
4: mean, yeah, yeah. She was like three hundred ninth out of out of them, and and Walt liked it. And that, imagine the surprise when you don't even realize that it's been submitted for something, you know, like that, and getting someone saying, "Yeah, Walt Disney wants to see you," is just amazing.
1: And, and then suddenly, you're the most famous animated role ever. Exactly. exactly. So, yeah. So I mean, and uh, like, sorry.
4: That's okay I, I was just gonna say I like how they they kind of took a similar approach to what they had done like with Bambi where they would go and, and you know shoot video and and stuff to try to capture the real life, but they did that with the people and where they filmed something like ninety percent of the film they actually acted out for the people and I like the juxtaposition of the the two different animation styles where where the animals feel rather not cartoony in a bad way, but they, they look animated, whereas the people have a more realistic I in some cases that that sometimes bothers me where but I like the way that they were kind of blended together and the different animation styles.
1: It's because they had they didn't yet understand how to animate human beings. And that was primarily the reason for it, is they just needed the reference because they couldn't do it off the cuff. Right. That's why I, was I, I wasting stuff. Yeah, sorry.
4: Yeah, I think they did a, a really good job with it, you know, and in the studying of, of the people, you know, not that we're talking like Pixar realism that we have, you know, with computer generated stuff now, but but I like the difference between the animals and the people and that the people look more realistic.
1: Yeah. 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 Agreed. I I like that this is the initial connection to the Tin Pan Alley, which is this uh, this writers' enclave in New York City, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, they they pulled their uh, that's where Mac David, Jerry Livingston, and Al Hoffman came from. Incidentally, just so you know that where this where this eventually leads to is this eventually leads to the Sherman brothers because uh, Al Sherman, their father, was a Tin Pan Alley guy also who knew Walt, and that's how they ended up coming circumventing and eventually ending up working for Walt as well um, this is also the first song to have its songs published in copyright first film to have its songs published and copyrighted and they were done by the Walt Disney Music Company so it's the first time that a movie actually started making money on its uh, soundtrack before that they were just sold into sheet music mm-hmm. generally speaking for movies so this I thought that was interesting um, this is not the first Disney version of Cinderella. Let's not forget that. That is correct, sir. Yes. Would you like to explain that, Ryan? Since you got all excited when I said that, I saw. I I did because I've seen the other one. Uh,
0: (laughs) Yes, they did. They did a version back in Kansas City. Walt and his his friends did a version uh, for the Laughogram films that they did when they were first starting out. When they were um, doing the Laughogram series for the Newman Theater in Kansas City, they did a version of Cinderella, uh, which is not very good
1: no but it's but it's there um I mean those they're for years uh those mo- originally there were only four of those the Laugh films there were only ten total and uh four were originally existed and then they found three more and then just last year they found the final ones on my birthday oh there you go
4: very nice <laughs>
1: so just <laughs> uh, cool. you know thought that was interesting
3: yeah
1: yeah, that's that's really all i got well it is it is a
0: a certifiable disney classic i mean i think we can say that a lot of the things that we have seen a lot of the things that people necessarily associate with disney and, and disney animated features i think comes from cinderella more so even than snow white like we talked about the princess and the animal companions and that sort of thing i mean that's carried forward into Pocahontas and you know all kinds of, of other films. Uh, the you know the Prince Charming aspect, all of that. I think people uh, associate Disney with this movie almost more than in any other.
1: Do you think yeah. it's because they have a big castle in a park?
0: <laughs> I'm thinking.
1: <laughs> think
3: something to do with it a little bit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right. So ratings.
3: Cheryl Perlmutter, what say you? Um, let's see, four and a half, almost like a it. five, but two, I think I think after listening and uh, us discussing it, it's it would have been a five had we not done so much on the animals. But I'm not sure if we could skip them or not. So I'm not sure on that. But it four and been a half. Shorter movie. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It, yeah. It would have been about a 20-minute movie. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Bree, what do you think?
2: I'm actually going to go with the score of Cheryl's and give it four and a half stars. I enjoy it so much. It's so so close to becoming a five for me. But I am going to have to agree with Cheryl again. It's is a little bit too much of the animals for me. Not a bad thing. It's just I would have liked to have seen the film a little bit more concentrated on Cinderella, what she was doing when she was stuck in the room, when Lady Tremaine had the key. You know, like a little bit more focused on her, but um, I still thoroughly enjoyed this film, and I would watch it again and again.
0: Very good. Mr. Perlmutter.
1: So here's the thing. <laughs> Here we Here go. We go. <laughs> and, and, and Betsy can beat me up tomorrow when she sees me. Uh, so and will... And will. Hello,
2: hello. So I
1: I love the parts of this movie that are about Cinderella. I I actually don't care too much for the animal parts, unless they're chicken cooked. Sorry. <laughs>
4: bad. <laughs> <laughs> Very bad. They're, they're like
1: that. <laughs> Seriously though. Um. No. So here's the thing, right? Like like we were just made the joke where it would have been a much shorter movie. I probably would have enjoyed it much more if it was just that shorter movie, or at least a movie that involved. The characters, I—they're cute and they're cuddly and it's great. But like you were saying, Ryan, it's a different, it's a separate story, okay? Yeah. And it's really hard for me to to say this, but I, I think that the separate story of the animals actually brings down the story that I'm interested in, in of the princess that I actually like and enjoy, okay? And it's because of that that I would that I'm only going to give this and this is the one I'm going to smack, <laughs> a 3.75. She's and it's not... Hairs there. It's right. It's, it's very hard for me, because if it was just the princess story, I would probably be agreeing with you guys on the 4.5, because I agree that that part of the story is a 4.5, and, and I really like it, and I like all the influences had on everything that follows, the parks, all of it. Okay? But at the same time, because... The animal stuff is a little out of place from the rest of the story to me. I just think it brings it down. It's like you know, you have an A grade, and it suddenly you got that one D, and suddenly you've got a B on your report card for it to yep. overall. That's what I think happens in this movie.
0: Absolutely. All right, I, I am I'm actually quite in line with you. I I would give it a four uh, because it's it, for me. It's not uh, you know me. I'm Mr. Story guy, and like you said, there's two different stories going on here. Uh, I actually am not like you. I like both of them. Um, I like the Jacques and Gus stuff just because they're they're fun characters. There's not there's no depth to them or anything, but they're fun. They, they remind me a lot of stuff you would see in the shorts. So they're just fun to play with and they're fun to to watch and enjoy. So I kind of take each of their segments as kind of a short, uh, you know, like a cartoon, a ten a seven or ten minute cartoon, and then we go back to the main story and then we get another seven or ten minute cartoon. It's sort of like an
1: ADD movie for me. <laughs> it's, but but you do like your shorts, so I understand. I do. I love my shorts. Uh and and my pants too. But you know, that's a whole story. Gosh.
0: <laughs> yes. This is like
2: the night of lame jokes.
0: <laughs> Dear, if you've listened to this show at all, you know that we survive and thrive on lame jokes.
3: I, you know though, I don't think I've ever heard it so often. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Ryan, did you watch the Muppets again? Not yet. Oh. I was going to play Fuzzy. There we go.
0: I have watched The Muppet Show, though, so...
3: Aha, uh-huh, see? There you go. It's Fuzzy Bear.
0: There we go. All right, well, we will give our guest the last word, Miss Betsy Bates.
4: I will give it a four and a half. I will not beat Todd for his uh, justified opinion, but I I love this film, but I still don't give it a five because, like you guys, it is it does have the feel of two different movies. They're... The reason I don't quite give it a five, there's a bit too much exposition. Um, it, the, it feels a little bit unbalanced. I love the last third of the movie. I, I, there's not much I would change about that. I do enjoy the subplot with, with the animals, um, but I, for me, this movie is about the hope, the chance, the magic. All of it kind of rolled into one, and... Every, you know, whether or not people want to admit it, everybody wants to be a prince or a princess at some point in their life or they want one or they, that's what they're looking for. That fairy tale ending. And, you know, the fact that that Cinderella has that hope, she doesn't even know that it's the prince that she's falling in love with over a dance on a terrace under the moonlight. I mean, it, it's just one of those magical things to me that I I adore. The the songs I think are are top notch in this. There are only six of them, but I love them all. Um, the score is great. I think it it mirrors the the action that's going on, um, and I I I do truly love this film above all other Disney classics. Um, but still, a four and a half.
0: Fair enough. I all live.
1: Right. Sorry, continue.
0: we'll see. I mean, you, everyone knows there is plenty of opportunity for you to make her mad in the next twenty-four hours.
3: Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. So, watch, mind your p's and q's. So that is our look at the Disney classic Cinderella. If you disagree with us, if you what if you want to give Cinderella a one, you can do that. You can go on the website, on the show notes of this of this episode, and you can you can put that in the comments, and then Betsy will come and find you and beat you up. Uh, instead yes, of- she will. Yeah, so save Todd save Todd, and do that if you want to hear more shows. <laughs> I, I feel like a Chick-fil-A ad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> more chickens? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so you can go do that at DisneyFilmProject.com, or you can uh, tweet us, follow us on Twitter at at DisFilmProject, and then you can you know shoot a note back to us and say, I liked your Cinderella episode, it was fabulous, especially that Betsy lady, she's pretty special. Uh, or you can go to Facebook.com and, and go to Disney Film Project and, and leave us a note there. Uh, also until next week you can you can see what awful circumstances Cheryl's gonna have to go through to edit this episode at about.me slash Cheryl P3 because yeah, good luck. Um, and then you can you can see what Todd's been up to over at TouringPlans dot com as well as myself, and they are our sponsor for the episode, so yay touringplans.com. Woo! Yay. Good folks. And then, of course, you can keep up with uh, with Miss Brie over at the Adventures of Brie at adventuresofbrie.blogspot.com or at DisneyDrivenLife.com. You can find her attractions blogging along with my film blogging. And then, of course, Betsy, you can just follow her on Twitter, at Flor Domingo, and you can see the, the things that she's been up to because she, she's a busy woman. She has Betsy. a lot of stuff
1: going on. Oh, wait, Betsy's got a blog.
0: She does. That's right. Betsy, fill in the people.
4: <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, it is floridomingo.wordpress.org and uh, mostly pictures from the parks I, I do enjoy my wordless Wednesdays um, but every once in a while you'll get some of my thoughts and reflections on on fun activities going on there
0: you go you you do have a lot of fun I wish I could come down and have fun as, as much as you guys do and, of course, this being our last episode of the year, the, uh, we want to say a, a fond farewell to our buddies over there at the Betamouse podcast who are shutting their, their show down because they all have great new gigs. We've had a couple of those guys on the show. We're friends with those folks, and so they, they had a wonderful show. Uh, if you haven't listened to their episodes before, go check them out, betamouse.net, and listen to them, uh, and then you can listen to our show back-to-back, and it'll be just like like nerdgasm right there. Yeah. All, all together.
1: Thanks to Beta Mouse. yes.
0: Yes, well, thank you, guys. <laughs>
1: Alright, so folks,
0: uh, in, in, until next week. Um, goodbye, Gus. Gus.
3: Take a look at that, you pompous windbag.
1: What in the world did I do with my magic
3: wand? Leave the sewing to the women. You go get some trimming. Have a magical night.